I have a short follow-through. Has an unfinished look. Why? Well, some say it's because that's the easiest way to play through the winds of West Texas, and some say it's because I never finished anything in my life. You can decide, but the point is, every finishing position is unique. That's what the golf swing's all about. It's about gaining control of your life and letting go at the same time. Jeez Louise. <laughs> There's only one other acceptable theory about how to hit a golf ball. Oh boy, well, I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> well, what is it? What's the other theory? Grip it and rip it. <laughs> Hello again, friends, and welcome to a tradition like no other. This is not the Masters, and I am not Jim Nance. I'm Kevin. Joined by Jim, not Jim Nance also. I'm Jim, not Jim Nance. Jim, not Jim Nance. Jim, not Jim Nance. Yeah. Try saying that three times fast. Uh, this is the Pool Scene Podcast. While not the Masters, we will be covering a golf movie. I know most of you are really <laughs> excited for us to talk about golf. Sounds like something stuck in your throat. Golf. <laughs> we are talking about 1996 romantic comedy sports film, Tin Cup. It's weird because it's... It is a romantic comedy, but it also doesn't feel like a romantic comedy. That's how they get you, man. They yeah. sneak it they in really there. sucker it's you good in. for the whole family. This movie was directed by Ron Shelton, and I'm going to say this loud and clear. No one talks about or gives enough credit to Ron Shelton. Pure legend, man. Ron Shelton's a former minor league baseball player. He wrote and directed Bull Durham, which is partially based on his own career. Which was also starring Kevin Costner. He wrote and directed White Men Can't Jump. He wrote and produced Blue Chips. He wrote The Great White Hype. He co-wrote Bad Boys 2. How crazy is that, man? He's had a Hall of Fame career when it came to great movies. Yeah, on the After Hours Pool Check, I talked about making an MLS movie, Major League Soccer. I think Ron Shelton should write and direct it. If you want to hear what I mean, refer to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and find our recent After Hours episode, which was a companion to Ready Player One. And I will tell you, it's fun. It was. Just going over it again, editing, I was down here laughing my ass off yeah. at it because it's perfect. I mean, when I listened to it, I was here <laughs> so and I were. still laughed. It's so funny. Yeah, it was really good. So this movie, Tin Cup, culminates with the U.S. Open, which is played annually in June. This movie was released in August of 96, but should have been an early spring release, in my opinion, just to get all the golfers hype for the season. So, Jim, tell us about the budget, the box office, and how we were living in August of 96. August 16th, 1996 was a release date of Tin Cup. It was on a budget of $45 million and made $76 million at the box office. So, a fairly good hit. It was, like I'll mention later, it was the number one movie after it debuted. On this date, well, actually this month in 1996, MTV2 was launched. Which was going to be, we're kind of getting away from music videos on the original MTV. We're going to make a station that's nothing but music videos. What did that last? About a year? And then they're like, okay, we can just shuttle more shit onto this channel. Pretty much, yeah. Which I was mean, a shame. And then even MTV2 eventually started getting their own shows. Didn't they make an MTV3? But I don't know if it ever lasted. There were lots of other MTVs. There was... um like MTV Europe. Okay. There was, there were some different ones. I don't know if there was one actually called MTV three, but there were some other MTVs. I have an MTV movie channel on my package. That's it's just videos, which is like 
Something we've wanted for years, but now it's it's been so long that it's kind of like... I hate the fact that they even said the M doesn't stand for music anymore. Right. So it's just like, that's stupid, but whatever. We mentioned this on a previous podcast, the news segment, the whole Dan versus Dave Reebok thing for the yeah. Barcelona Olympics, and they both didn't win anything, all that hype. However, this time around, at the 96 Atlanta Summer Games, Dan O'Brien won the decathlon gold medal way to go dan dave kiss our ass and one of kevin's favorite tv shows debuted at this time in august of 96 seventh heaven i've never watched it uh you were a big fan of it i know you were you have it on vhs why i bring this up is because i cast jessica beale in one of our movies in the uh last week so i wanted to bring that up and now your Alan Jackson update for August of 1996. People started looking at me different, put me up on this pedestal like I was some kind of saint or something, you know, and I was like, man, I'm just a singer, simple song. Alan Jackson recorded Everything I Love, his sixth studio album. And that was your Alan Jackson update for August of 1996. Number one song okay. in yeah. America, let's get back on track, was the Macarena. I mean, come on. Oh. The Macarena. Maybe there's a reason why I skipped this. But no matter what, 20 plus years later, you go to any, like, do a kid's dance. They all still know the Macarena. It's very basic, very easy. The number one movie in America after this debuted was this very movie, Tin Cup. But the week before was the Robin Williams vehicle, Jack. Great. Which is such an interestingly weird movie. And sad. About age progression and very sad in the end, too. uh, Benjamin Button. Yeah, that's what was going on in August of 96. Y'all got that tan crop. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What? uh, When I used to work at a store that will not be named, people would come in all the time and just butcher the names of... Virtually everything, like PlayStation 2. Hey, you got those P2 games? They used to call it That Station. Y'all got That Station. (laughs) And yes, we have That Station. Here's a That Station. But yeah, you just, every movie was like something. I'm looking at a Man of Steel poster. They'd be like, y'all got that Steel Man? <laughs> and you'd have to go round and round and be like, they would never tell you Super. it was about Superman. No. They'd be like, it, it's, uh, it's set in this place, Macropolis. <laughs> and there's like a guy that can fly. And it's like, are you talking about Superman, Man of Steel? Yeah, Steel Man. I'm assuming they probably butchered probably like Demolition Man. They're like, hey, you everything. got that Demonster Man movie? Yes, it was. Yeah, and then, uh, yeah, whatever, That Wesley man. Gunn guy? Yeah, you'd, you'd, get in a, you'd get your life threatened every day over a DVD. They'd be like, I'm coming back when you get off, and I'm bringing a gun because you only gave me 50 cents for my copy of... Seventh Heaven yeah, box set. Seventh Heaven box <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Whatever. It was... Yeah, let's, all right, let me, uh, let me tee off into the plot. Nice pun there. Yes. Roy Tincup McAvoy is a driving range owner in West Texas where he drinks all day and hangs with his best friend, Romeo. Sounds familiar, Kev. Yeah. <laughs> his nickname is Tincup because he was a catcher in high school who wore a metal cup and it was a better nickname than Clank. And just want to say right now, played a catcher in Bull Durham, Crash Davis. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, written by the same guy. Yep. Roy is, was something of a golf prodigy, but he has no ambition. 
A woman named Dr. Molly Griswold comes to... I always want to call her Dr. Molly Ringwald. Why? Because I'm telling the truth. That makes me a bitch. <laughs> Which is, it's just a little too close. So Dr. Molly Griswold comes to Roy's range one day to get a golf lesson. Not related to Clark W. Griswold. She might be. <laughs> That'd be cool. Over in Chicago. Uh, she was sent there by her boyfriend, David Sims, who is one of the best professional golfers in the world. Roy and David actually golfed together in college, and Roy immediately... He gets it bad for Molly in an, in an usher sort of way. David shows up the next day to ask Roy to be his caddy at a local tournament, just an exhibition tournament. Mm -hmm. Roy gets fired for telling spectators he can make a particular shot, and then he can't resist actually going through with it. He pulls a club out of David's bag. Yeah. He, make, he takes the shot, and David's like, you're still fired. Don't care. As a revenge plot, Roy wants to qualify for the U.S. Open, and Molly starts giving Roy therapy in exchange for golf lessons. Don't you love how the revenge plot of this is different than what most movies? A revenge plot would involve getting murdered, some sort of pornographic pictures. No, I'm going to get in that fucking tournament, yeah, man. Yeah, it's, it's great, though. Yeah, it's like the, it's awesome. the proper way you should get revenge. Exactly. Roy has some issues. That's underestimating it. And instead of just working and just wanting to qualify for the Open, he wants to break the course record. It's just not enough for him. Nope. Because he's a degenerate. It's not enough for him to just qualify he wants to break the course record so when romeo suggests a safe club on a particular hole roy gets angry and they that's an understatement and then back and forth they end up snapping every club in the bag until romeo quits and roy qualifies using only a seven iron on yes. the back on the back half hit it off a par five after the round david humiliates roy with a wager in an unofficial long drive contest which we will talk about here shortly mm -hmm. roy qualifies through the next round to the open but he has the shanks and roy can't get molly out of his mind and he shoots an 83 in the opening round which <laughs> would be great for you or i oh we'd love it at 11 a, over 83 hell for yeah a pro golfer or somebody at the open it's pretty embarrassing molly ditches david and wants roy they make sexy time and roy shoots a record-breaking 62 the next day so that's all it took yeah how crazy is that so he makes the cut questionable because he goes from you know around shooting 11 over it shoots 21 shots better to shooting yeah, mm -hmm. yeah 10 under so roy's third round's good enough to put him near the leaders but on the par 5 18th hole roy refuses to lay up in each of the first three rounds heading into the final day on the 18th roy has a one-stroke lead Sims, as he's done, this is David this time, Sims, as he's done the other three days, plays it safe, lays up on 18. This has essentially eliminated him from contention. So at Molly's urging, Roy goes for it instead of following suit. He hits six shots. Uh, he, I mean, each of the first five go in the water, so it's a two-stroke penalty. So, so painful. He hits a 12 on the final hole, but he finally hits it over the water and directly into the hole, which he has to do. Or he's losing a tournament. He's out of golf balls. Yes. He couldn't turn into score quarter. He would be disqualified. So he hits it over the water, directly rolls into the hole. Crowd goes wild. Roy starts to realize what he's done. He's blown the U.S. Open. Molly reassures him that he's basically now immortal. No one will remember who won, but they'll remember his legendary 12. As the movie ends back in Texas, Molly tells Roy he has qualified for next year's U.S. Open by finishing in the top 15, and she also urges him to qualify to get on tour. Molly now begins her career helping golfers work on their mental games as a sports psychologist. 
So, Jim, unless you have anything else to mention, let's get into characters. Let's do it. Who is your daddy? And what does he do? We have Kevin Costner as Roy Tincup McAvoy, Rene Russo as Dr. Molly Griswold, Don Johnson as David Sims. Now, originally considered for this part was Pierce Brosnan, Alec Baldwin. I can see Pierce Brosnan. But not Baldwin. Not Baldwin. No, not at all. But I definitely think Don Johnson really plays it. He's perfect. A perfect, perfect prick. We have Cheech Marin as Romeo Pozar, originally offered to John Leguizamo. Now, I love Cheech Marin, but I think John Leguizamo would have played it pretty yeah, well I think you would have been fine I don't with think that. it would have uh yeah been any different so we have Jim Nance is in here Ken Venturi and there's a number of credited and uncredited cameo appearances by pro golfers Craig Stadler Peter Jacobson Lee Jansen got a young Phil Mickelson very young Phil Mickelson. Johnny Miller Corey Pavin yeah a name from the past Fred Couples that's about it George Michael from George Michael uh, I was Machine. gonna say I have that in my notes we cannot forget the majesty of 12 midnight on a Saturday morning Turning on NBC and watch George Michael's Sports Machine. Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the Sports Machine. I don't know how many of you guys remember that out there, but it was one of those things that always somewhat was a tradition every late night staying up as a kid. You got to watch George Michael's Sports Machine because it would show all the sports from around the world in a clip highlight format. Right. It always freaked me out because his name was George Michael. (laughs) George Michaels. Uh, Was it? George Michaels. I thought it was Michael apostrophe S. Or was was it? Uh, you know, it might be. Yeah. Either way. It would have been interesting to hear him say, I want your sex. <laughs> <laughs> or have George Michael, the singer host. Up next, we have you. Peter Jacobson and I want your sex. Look at that eight iron. Yeah. So which actor or actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character steal scenes? How great was Cheech Marin in this movie? Feel a soulless robots like David Sims. <laughs> Well, David Sims may be a soulless robot, but he's a rich, happy, soulless robot with a beautiful doctor lady girlfriend. Besides, how's getting in the open going to change what she thinks about you? Well, it'll show her I'm not who she thinks I am. But you are who she thinks you are, man. Cheech Mary. Yeah. Granted, we'll bring up one thing a little bit later on in Logic, but he was the glue. Like, he somewhat knows how to deal with Roy's bullshit. On the opposite end, no, he doesn't, but he just kind of caves into it. The dynamic between two of them, and it's like two war buddies. That's yeah. the best way I can describe it. Well, they it. live together in a in a trailer. But see, I, th- I think it helps that Cheech was the role and not John Leguizamo, because yeah. Leguizamo was a lot younger. Yes. Cheech being that, he seems that older, grizzled veteran, he definitely is probably in his late 40s, early 50s here, but in actuality, he's probably only 22. He doesn't get enough credit, you know, because he came from Cheech and Chong. And he was the weed, the weed guy. Stuff. He never got enough credit for how good he is as a serious actor. Very good. He's good in everything. Unfortunately, well, Jim Brewer couldn't become the white <laughs> Cheech Marin, unfortunately. Yeah, he was too busy being goat boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I uh, I like Costner, but we, we were mentioning, you know, Costner... It's kind of the same thing in every movie. Yeah. He never really went for anything totally different. Don Johnson's really good as David Sims. Oh, he's perfect. He's just the right amount of assholes. That's why I said we talked about it briefly, but who would you say your favorite Costner role is? To me, it's Crash Davis. Yeah. I like him in Field of Dreams. Roy Kinsella. Yeah. Another Roy. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Another sports movie. Yeah. With him being the same. and I mean, I like him as Sonny Weaver Jr. in Draft Day. It's fantastic. You know what? Big shout out here because I'm one of the few people that actually enjoy The Postman. The Postman, I totally understand. It's a long, long movie. 
I like Dances with Wolves. It's even longer, it, I think. That's very true. But that one, an Oscar. Postman probably won 40 Razzies. Yeah. There's a big difference. All right. Let's, uh, let's find out which scenes made a splash, much like Roy's 12 on 18. Oh, On the nice. fourth day of Good the setup. US Open. Uh, why don't you go ahead and go first? Okay, I'll start off first. The bet. Hey, David. You in a hurry or what? Why? I got a bet with Mickelson McCoy that your caddy can knock it on from here. Come on, guys. We're trying to win a tournament here. Yeah, we are. That's great. But I got five to one. I think pretty good odds. I think you can do it. Come on, let him hit it. It's only an exhibition. Come on, come on, Roy. You can handle it. I got a ball. Right here. Balls versus brains, Roy. You hit that shot, just keep walking. Because your ass is fired. How you going to fire me in front of all these people? Especially when I'm knocking on the green. The actual bet where Roy decides to caddy for David. Yeah. The whole rivalry between David and Roy is David likes to always play it safe. He doesn't like to take any risks. So during this exhibition charity tournament, he's paired with Craig Stadler. Yeah. And he's going up against Gary McCord and Phil Mickelson. Well, on the final hole, there's a lake to get over. And this is kind of played into allegory with the the final scene of the movie. He decides to lay it up and play it safe. And he's got the lead. Yeah. Roy Bay said, you're a real pussy, David. You can't do this. So Craig Stadler overhearing this says, hey, David, let your caddy try this shot. Yeah, he says, just an exhibition. So they're pulling out the money. Phil Mickelson, McCord, they're like, here, we got all this money. David's like, if you do this, I'll fire your ass right now. So, of course, Roy takes a bet. Hits it over, wins all this money. David fires him right in front of a national television. Yeah, so this audience. is on national TV. To everyone else, yeah, this is an this is the moment you live for when you watch golf. Yeah, a caddy <laughs> in a pro tournament, you know, an exhibition takes a club out of his golfer's bag, hits the shot. Yeah. Everybody goes wild. The TV goes wild. And this wasn't during an official tournament. No. Me and you have referenced this. Jack Nicholas's son, Gary, a couple years ago at yeah. the Par 3 tournament, which is an exhibition tournament at the Masters. His own grandfather said, go ahead, Gary. And what did he, or it might have been his Jackie Jr. It's a hole in one. Yeah. You remember that. So what if he did this? I get he's being upstaged, but even Gary McCord goes after he gets fired. And he's always been a prick. Yeah. And it, he's, that's why he plays such a perfect prick. Yep. But that bet sets up the actual final scene of yes. this movie. Yes. So my first one also is a bet. So after Roy shoots the 83, 83. on the first round, he's in the clubhouse. He's basically going to pack his shit and go. Yeah, he's, he's gonna, ready to he's leave. He's going to go home. So who but David comes and sits next to him in the clubhouse at the bar. I'll bet you $100 right now that Roy here can hit a ball through that door over the patio and into the river. And Harold, give me vodka tonic with the twist. Molly, honey, really, this isn't dignified. Oh, (laughs) oh, I'm so sorry. Roy. I just want to go back to Texas. What about the river? The piranha, the immortality, all that bullshit. You gonna drag your ass home with an 83? You know, $200, for $200, I say that Roy can hit the ball through the damn bar, out the patio, into the river, and make that pelican right there fly off its post. And Molly is the one who's pushing this. She's like, act like men. Like, who is still kind of like dating David yeah, at this point in the movie? Yeah, she's still a David, but she's basically like, 
I, I almost like a destructive way. It's yeah. like, come on, fight over me, basically. It's it's tradition. It's how it is, man. So, Women love that shit. So she sees this pelican sitting outside of the clubhouse across the water. We'll get into this on logic. And she tells David and tells everyone in the bar, Roy can make that shot. So David finds a ball and like a decorative club. Yeah, a hickory shaft decorative club you put above a fireplace. Yes, and says, guaranteed 200 bucks or something, that Roy can hit the ball through the doors over the water and knock that pelican. Through three trees, my three little trees. And knock that pelican off its stoop. So Roy loves this kind of thing. And sure enough, he tries it. You've got McCord talking on a drink dispenser thing, yeah, like a fountain uh, soda, drink, uh, soda, yeah, gun. soda gun, as if he's an announcer. So sure enough, Roy hits it through the doors in the clubhouse, carries it over the water, knocks Pelican off stoop. The difficulty on the shot it, with your actual gear would be hard. Well, not just that, hitting it off the deck, off a concrete floor with people through, literally what an eight foot opening, maybe if that with people's faces hanging over. And so maybe six feet. Yeah. And then over the water, and then he, he literally hits the, you know, telephone pole type thing or whatever. I'm hoping there is a Zack Snyder cut of this where he hits a woman right in the fucking face <laughs> with a golf ball. It's in the goddamn clubhouse. Go do that at Avalon yeah, right now. And, Let's and see what happens. You know, this is the turning point also. This is basically where, you know, she switches her allegiance to Roy. Big time. Instead of David. And where... The next day, you know, Roy goes on to shoot a record round after the uh, after they made uh, made fuck. Yeah. You know, under a ton of blankets. Yes. We'll get into that, too. So my second one is when Roy decides to meet with Molly in therapy. Dr. Griswold. Yes. I think I'm in love with you. What? From the moment I first saw you, I knew I was through with bar girls and strippers and motorcycle chicks and. When you first started talking, I was smitten with you, and I'm smitten with you more every day I think about you. And the fact that you know I'm full of crapple only makes you even more attractive to me. Usually I can bullshit people, but I can't bullshit you. And in addition, you got you got great legs, and most women I'm thinking about how to get in their pants from day one. But with you, I'm just I'm just thinking about how to get in your heart. And there's a golf term for everything. You just ask her out. Yes. The risk coming right over the top, snap, hooking it out of bounds left. Absolutely, Roy. Getting it a little thin. Okay, Roy, that's the guy. That, that's good. Yeah. Everything is associated with <laughs> golf. <laughs> I l- the interplay between these two. Hey, I should take a mulligan on life. You know, when do I, how do I know when to hold back? It's a lot of sexual euphemisms on top of golf, and I think it works brilliantly for Roy McAvoy. So I'd have to go with that is my second one. I have the another wager, the long drive contest. We'll just call this part of Roy's mental preparation for the U.S. Open, where the rough is deep and the greens are slick and the nerves are shattered. I'll take the bet. Oh, yeah! All right. (laughs) What's the what's the game? Your seven iron, Roy. One swing each. Whoever hits it the longest. Yes. So after Roy qualifies through the sectionals to the U.S. Open using, or maybe this is the first round, but either way, with a seven iron. He gets a par on a par five with a seven iron. Yeah. So David arrives seemingly to pick up Molly, and Roy's like so hype 
Yeah. That he's like, I can beat you at any golf game. Basically, David laughs him off and I was like, yeah, forget it, whatever. Roy's like, I bet you, what is it, $1,000 yeah. against my car that I can beat you in any game. And Which, do you know anybody that just keeps the title of their car with them? He's a, He does this multiple times in this I movie. Know, he's a total psycho. Because if somebody would happen to just steal the title of that car yeah. and the cops pull you over, you're fucked. He's like, I'll bet my car right now. Like, <laughs> I feel like he's at McDonald's and he's like... I bet right now there's more sesame seeds on my bun than yours. I bet my car title. There's my title. Yeah, he's, he's racing for slips. Yeah. So David says, all right, I got it. Don't worry, Molly. I'm good. You know, this part of, of Roy's education. So Roy hits his Severn. Se- Severn. He hits his Dan Severn. Uh, the beast. Hi, I'm Dan Severn. <laughs> yeah. He hits his seven. 227 yards yeah, on the driving range. Pretty good. For a seven. Pretty good on a seven. Yeah. Then... David gets his turn and he starts to turn directions and everybody, Roy's friends all say, what's he doing? Mm -hmm. They never specified any rules. Just who could hit it further. David chips the ball down a highway and it keeps going and going. It just bounces all the way down the The world's flattest highway. Because even if you hit a slight pebble, that ball's going off. And then David drives away in Roy's car. Do you think that was a digital golf ball? Sometimes I feel like the golf balls in this movie are digital. It has to be. But I feel in 96, I, it would stick out like a sore thumb. It probably thumb. had somebody just stand in there and just tossed Dink. it down the street. Yeah, I could see that. And just bounced it and, you know, pieced it. So that's a, another wager. <laughs> I kind of have my next one. I think hilarious. He shows up to the U.S. Open first round. He's wearing his great visor. Throwback golf visor. Tin cup fan club. Tin cup fan club. He gets the yips on the drive yep. range. And I yep. don't mean just yips. As soon as he hits it, this thing goes dead right. Almost hits Johnny Miller. Almost hits Lee Jansen. At one point, he does hit somebody like in the leg. He hits somebody in the leg. David Sims is there laughing his ass off. And Johnny Miller has the temerity to go up to him. Hey, partner, uh, you know, the guys down the line are a little concerned about that. What's your name? Tin Cup? Yeah, Roy McAvoy from West Texas. We're off in West Texas. Uh, why don't you try him a little left? And you why might... don't you try backing well... up? Give me just a little room. Hey, man, that's Johnny Miller. What a flying fuck who it is. Oh, it's awful. It, and basically, Roy tells him to go fuck off. Yeah. Back well, off, says, Johnny. Maybe, maybe you want to line up a little left. And then Romeo gets an autograph from Johnny Miller and then <laughs> Arlie Jan somebody. No, and, it was Johnny Miller. Okay. And then that's a great 73 you shot yeah, today. Yeah. A plus one. And then Johnny Miller says, you guys better get an early flight the way you're hitting. on Friday. Yikes. So it's like, who the, I get Johnny Miller. Okay. Pro golfer. Fuck off, man. You know, seriously. I, I don't know how many of our listeners are golfers. I mean, we we are very men of many tastes. Yes, we, we are. like all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. up and down the spectrum. And, you know, we're punk rock, but we're also golfers. So I don't know how many listeners are golfers, but I I will tell you as a golfer, any time that I have to tee off in front of people and you can vouch for this, mm-hmm. it is stressful. It's like. We go to this one course where there's a, basically a restaurant awning patio that it's, overlooks yeah, it's right the there. first hole. You don't want to shank it, but it makes you shank it because you're in your head. But Roy's a professional golfer at this point. He qualified for the Open, so he's a, you know amateur professional yeah. golfer. It's possible mm-hmm. because in golf, oh, it's big time. It's possible. so mental. It's more mental than it is physical. Yeah, and and Roy is a very good ball striker, very good golfer. But you, anybody can get the shanks. It's it happens at every time. For him, it's not because of the nerves. For me, if I qualified for U.S. Open, I probably do this from the nerves. Uh, I shit my pants. I don't think Roy's nervous. I think he just obviously I can't mean, stop every, thinking about. I Molly. will say one thing though, because you've been there when it's happened, where I have people around and I just fucking just hit it perfect. Yeah, 
Well, I've just done, that one little comment. I've done like, that once. We were at Mill Creek Short Holes. That's right. And we had to play through that. That family is like, you guys can play through. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, you get like, so intimidated. There's like a whole, there was like 10 people surrounding us. I'm like hitting it out of a crowd. I hit a fantastic shot. It was crisp. Yeah, it was nice. Yes. My last one, you know, the the pinnacle of this movie, the the thing the whole movie sets you up for, the 12 on 18. Yeah, on this is mine too. Yep. Open. Birdie wins, part ties. Look, you can hold out a wedge for a goddamn eagle. This is everything, ain't it? This is the choice it comes down to. This is our immortality. You don't need to be thinking immortality. You need to be thinking hit the seven iron. Again, when the wager Jim mentioned, Roy carries it over water. Every day of the U.S. Open on the 18th hole, Roy goes for it. He's always 234 yards yeah, out. Yeah, 234 yards out, which by today's golf standards is a four, a three or a four iron. No one would have any trouble doing this, but for some reason in 1996, a very difficult shot. So Roy, I think it's on day three, he hits it in the water and he tells Romeo, give me another ball. Mm-hmm. Because in golf, again, if you don't know the rules of golf, if you hit it in the water, you lose a stroke. Yep. But you can drop the ball right in front of the water yeah. and hit. You designated know, drop area. Yeah, essentially, you get progress yes. for the shot you made. You just lose a stroke. Roy, on day three, tells Romeo, give me another ball. And Romeo's like, what? What are you doing? Like, no, yeah. no, go take your drop. So Roy goes up to the edge of the water, takes a drop, hits the ball over, you know, loses a stroke, whatever. But then on day four, Roy goes into the 18th hole. He's up one, one shot, eight under so par. So basically, if he hits par on this hole yeah because peter jacobson is in the clubhouse at eight under the worst that's going to happen playoff he needs five shots to get over the water get in the hole and he will go to a you know a playoff and at u.s open the playoff formats are different for each major but the u.s open it's an 18 hole playoff the next day yeah so he would have his chance at an 18 hole playoff next day he's been on fire so roy hits it first time from 234 out carries it over the water puts it within yeah, two to three feet. Two to three feet of the flag, but then he gets a, a, a gust. gust of wind that he blames on the gods. It comes back, goes in the water, and Roy says, give me another ball. And Romeo gives him a ball. And you hear Venturi and Nance in the, yeah. the booth. You hear a director who's like, tell this guy he doesn't have to hit it from there. So yeah. Roy proceeds to hit five more shots because he's a maniac. This is his deal. He goes for it. He can take a drop after the first shot, yeah. hit it over, put it in, and he yeah. you know, gets You're, a playoff, has a chance to win the U.S. Open. But instead, he hits five more shots. The sixth shot is the last ball in his bag. Yep. And if he doesn't make it in the hole, so not just put it on the green, but if he doesn't make it in the hole, he is disqualified. He loses any of that progress he made for the last four days. Yeah. And sure enough, he sinks it. Sinks it from 234 with a three wood. It's awesome. And then the nice touch after is crowds going wild. He reaches in, he gets his ball out of the hole, and he tosses it back in the water. It's great. And that dude over-rotating gainer <laughs> with three guys jumping in to get the ball. How the hell will you know what ball it is unless he has a ball with a tin cup it's fan like, club on remember it? Remember when Barry Bonds and McGuire and Sosa were hitting all the home runs yeah. and people were like fishing them out? Well, and, Bonds going into McCovey Cove. Yeah, and selling them for thousands of dollars. Yeah. People have too much money. All right. I yep. think that's, is that all you've got for that, mine? That was my last one too. It's the shot. Perfect. All right. With that said, let's, uh, let's get everybody out of the pool. Everybody out of the pool. Pull check. <laughs> All right, we've got one 
that you, Jim, were excited about. No music videos. We've done 90, I think we've done 96, 96 maybe more than any other year. Yeah, I think we've done three or four 96 95, movies. 96 were very formative, and there's a lot of movies. We, I mean, I was 15, 16, so you were 13, 14. Yeah. So there we go. So this week, we are doing discontinued fast food items. Oh, I am so excited for this. Now, this whole premise pisses me off because <laughs> if you go to a fast food place, I, I mean, are you one of those people that gets something different every time you go, or do you pretty much know your order? Gold standard. Gold standard. Yes. Yeah. I mean, there's a few different things I'll get from each place. Depends on the value menu, too. Yeah, but once you get something that you're really into and they take it away, it's like, I don't even want to, like Taco Bell. Oh, don't I get, don't even want to go there because they took so many things away that are just infuriating to me. Yeah. So with that said, who wants to go first? You go first. All right. Number five, something I'll be honest, I never had, but it's just fascinating to me. McDonald's pizza. Okay. Yes. So Ray Kroc was a psycho <laughs> and he stole the movie or he stole McDonald's. He stole the movie too. He's, he's, well, he's, the movie. they made a movie about him called yes. the founder. Ma- Michael Keaton, right? Yeah. Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc. He stole McDonald's from the McDonald brothers. He essentially Ray Kroc loved traditional mcdonald's he thought it was amazing so he loved the burgers the fries shakes and shakes and so when all these other mcdonald's franchises started getting wiggle room and introducing items he basically like this one franchise introduced they said filet of fish you know we got lint and this whole thing have you ever gotten a filet of fish never i've never ordered it but ray Kroc basically told him shove it up his ass because he said <laughs> I don't want my restaurant smelling like fish. Yeah. And he didn't like it, but some of these people were right. You know, they were, they were right because some of these other items now, even like the McRib when it comes back, which is disgusting. I don't see why people like this, but even when the McRib comes back, it's rubber meat. (laughs) It is rubber meat. It's not even real. (laughs) No, but when, uh, when the, yeah, when these items, they, they sell really well for McDonald's and obviously McNuggets, uh, you know, those have come a long way, but McDonald's pizza, I cannot imagine it was an anomaly is any good at all. Isn't there only one McDonald's left? I think it's in West Virginia that has McDonald's pizza. Who the hell? People drive hundreds of miles to get McDonald's pizza. We should do it. That's like going to a gas station and getting sushi. I'm pretty sure that when they had the McDonald's pizza that we only had it at one of our McDonald's. I think it was at the, we have a, a ridiculous McDonald's here. That's a two story. It was cons- when it came out 89. Cause I can remember going to the grand opening. It was deemed the world's most magnificent McDonald's. Yeah, they have a, it's a two story glass, like clear glass McDonald's had a piano yes. on the second floor, had an elevator. Yes. What was that guy's Mac tonight? Yeah. Mac tonight was sitting at the piano. Yeah, I'd, I'd being have, an eight-year-old kid seeing that, it's like, oh my god! Yeah, it, I feel rich. Yeah, so McDonald's pizza, but they had McDonald's pizza, and I don't remember anyone else. I never had it. Yeah, me either. But, I want to do a shout out if any of the pool seniors out there, any of the lifeguards, happens to come across getting a McDonald's pizza. If you can send us just the box, yeah, I would love to have the McDonald's box of pizza displayed here in the studio jim i don't this might be a crazy question do you remember the best mcdonald's you've eaten at is that a thing (laughs) well i okay let me let me preface so i went to rhode island and went to the newport folk festival and near the tennis hall of fame there was a mcdonald's now the thing about newport rhode island not to go into a long story sounds affluent 
Very, very affluent. I mean, one of the things to do in Newport, Rhode Island is the mansion tours. Okay. There's just mansions everywhere. But Newport, Rhode Island, halfway between New York City, halfway between Boston. So if you're, you know, a socialite in one of those areas, you know, you can travel the hour or whatever it is to Newport. And that's where Jacqueline Onassis Kennedy is from. Okay, Jackie, Jackie o. o. So Newport has no fast food. It's all like $100 dinner yeah. places, yeah. and uh, which is awesome. But after eating that for days, it's just like your bank account. Listen, hates I don't you. want truffle cheese on my yes, hamburger. Okay? Exactly. So it's just it's fresh seafood out of the ocean. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. So there's no fast food in Newport, and so as we're leaving town by the tennis hall of fame, there's a McDonald's, and this is like you remember how good childhood McDonald's was? Oh, it was the best. It's like it was the it was maybe it was the circumstance, but this McDonald's was incredible. Especially was, being outside playing oh all my day. God, it was so good, and then. On top of it, they had sauce pumps. So most I remember the sauce pump. Most McDonald's around here packets. They and they hoard them. Oh, big it's time. like if you ask for an extra one, they're like, "That's eight dollars." You yeah. know, they won't give you an extra sauce packet. Now, I will say, if you're nice to the drive-in people and you're very nice to them when you order, I've had some where they like a handful and just dump yeah, that's, fucking twenty in a bag. That, that's what I, I would do if it. I ever worked fast food because. Well, well, I'm not getting in trouble no, for it. I'm, I'm making 40 <laughs> cents an hour and McDonald's making 40 billion. How many barbecues you want? I'll fill up a whole bag. I'll give you 26. <laughs> I'll give you one for each nugget. Exactly. So anyway, yeah, this food was incredible and it almost seemed like a different restaurant altogether. It was. Yeah. And then all the sauce pumps, you know, every single sauce. Crazy. So mine, real simple. The very first day the magnificent McDonald's opened, I was there. Fountains are in full pour. The ambient classical music by Mac Tonight playing. I don't know what it was, but it's later on in my list. The nuggets tasted different. Yeah. Even though they're the same damn nugget. I will say not just McDonald's, but when they had a nine piece nugget. Yeah. (laughs) The thing about McDonald's and other fast food places, they might be shitty seven, eight, nine times out of 10. Yeah. But when you get it that one time, that's so good. Brilliant. That it, that's why you keep going back. I mean, McDonald's probably still has the best fries. By far. Yeah. The McDonald's by my house is literally just the worst McDonald's on earth. And it, you never, so when you are traveling, like, uh, I don't know when it was, but I went to Philadelphia and I'm on my way home. We stopped at this McDonald's. It was like, this is incredible, but it's probably just cause I'm used to eating the yeah. world's worst McDonald's. So you get a, uh, yeah. Anyway, we can spent- you re- no, before I go on to my number five, cause it's also tied to McDonald's. Can you remember the last time you went to a McDonald's and just ordered, Hey, can I have a hamburger? No. Or a cheese. I used to get the two cheeseburger deal when I was younger. Who the hell just well, gets a hamburger? If you the hamburgers all bun. Yeah, and I will tell you that, like most of these other places, they essentially price themselves out of that. Like oh, at Taco Bell now, yeah. I think a single taco is like a dollar fifty or something. It's a dollar eighty nine. I, I was get, there last I night. I can get a a value burrito with all this crazy good shit on it for a dollar or I'll just get a box for five bucks. Exactly. I, I can get a box or I can get a crazy good value menu burrito for a dollar. Why would I order a taco? Yeah. Nuts. And I will give a quick shout out to the girl who worked at the drive-in last night. Her name was Ashley. Didn't upcharge me for my Chalupa box. I ordered a large Pepsi. She's like, I didn't charge you for that. I'm like, how, how amazing is that? How sweet. So shout out to Ashley, the Taco Bell girl. My number five is <laughs> we're sticking with McDonald's here. This was out for a very limited time. I think it came out in 94. The Arch Deluxe. Yeah. The Arch Deluxe 
was McDonald's attempt to have a premium burger. Yes. Like nowadays, like if you've ever had Wendy's pretzel bacon pub, I can't recommend that enough with the beer cheese. Oh my God. It's fantastic. This was McDonald's attempt to be like, Hey, we can be socialized. Okay, what was the difference with the, was it the art sauce? Was that the only w- difference yes. from a quarter pounder? The sauce, they used a different bun. It wasn't a brioche bun, but it was, it wasn't a sesame seed bun. It wasn't like bun. the McAfrica on the, uh, what? Do you remember McAfrica? What the fuck is McAfrica? McAfrica was basically like an arch deluxe or like a quarter pound, but it was on like some an sort African of like, continental shaped bun. It, yeah. It was on like a, wait, it, it was an African bun. Yeah, exactly. The shape of Africa. Yes. No, <laughs> uh, it, it came with some sort of, not like non-bread, but like uh, some yeah. like tortilla type yeah. bun, basically, was the difference. But I remember getting the Arch Deluxe. It tasted so good. And I'm shocked. They always bring the fucking McRib back to fanfare. I don't know how anybody can eat that thing. Like I said, it's rubber ribs. Well, the the Arch Sauce was just mustard mayo was mixed. Sick. Yeah, it was. And the I the thing I remember about the Arch Deluxe the most, so when I was a kid, I basically made podcasts before they were podcasts. Yep. Me and uh, our friend Morgan would make these radio shows on cassette. Where yeah, we I would, did mine right on that talk boy right yeah, there. Yeah, and it was it was fun. And uh, but we would put in our own fake commercials. But at the time, commercials absolutely dominated by Arch Deluxe. Basically, the marketing for Arch Deluxe was like, "You're not a man until you eat an Arch Deluxe." Yeah, like your first Arch Deluxe would put give you pubes. I kid you not. I think I grew my first pube after I had an Arch Deluxe. It was a sauce. Yeah. So that was my number five. Okay. My number four, the Taco Bell Volcano Burrito. Now, it's called the Volcano Burrito because it turns your asshole into a volcano. <laughs> uh, so the, the coolest thing about this is it was introduced in 1995 to coincide with the release of Congo. Uh, don't you think it'd be Volcano? Yeah. But no, oh, you mean the, the movie Volcano. Movie volcano. No, Congo. Came out with Dante's Peak. It uh it had well, it's better than what they had also wanted to do, which was put diamonds on it. Oh, perfect. For Congo. Not yeah. really. Blood diamonds. <laughs> uh so then it was reintroduced in 2009 on the menu till 2013, still available in South Korea and Iceland. Great. So let's get on the plane of Reykjavik. To either of those places, you can still get one. Beef, rice, cheddar cheese, sour cream, red tortilla chips, and the star of the show. The only thing you can't get that's on this thing, the lava sauce. Here's the thing about Taco Bell. I never like Taco Bell burritos. I just think I, I do not like refried beans. I call it refried sick. It's just <laughs> gross. The level of hotness when it comes to their sauces now, it seems like they've downgraded. I remember when hot sauce used to be, fuck. You don't think that's a tolerance on your part? Maybe it is because I had like the fire sauce last night. And I'm like the fire sauce. I'm like, it seems like what medium would have been. Then they get rid of Diablo. They keep bringing Diablo out, Diablo back. I love the Diablo sauce. It's kind of nice and sweet. Yeah. Number four, we're going to Burger King here. The original chicken tenders. Yeah. Okay. These were fantastic. It set themselves apart from McDonald's. But what did these assholes do? No, we're not getting rid of chicken tenders. We're going to have just chicken we're nuggets. We're going to knock them off and make them worse. They tasted so much different. Oh, I, I love it. It was them. a nice little, you know, shape tender you could go to mcdonald's and get your nine piece chicken mcnugget or you can have your nine piece chicken tender and sometimes the chicken tenders tasted amazing dude i I think about these all the time they're so good yeah they were good then they decide no we're gonna do nugs and their nugs taste like pure shit well every well if it's not broke don't fix it yes and why why is everybody trying to compete with mcdonald's listen you're not going to beat mcdonald's no just do your own thing exactly do different like wendy's arby's wendy's right <laughs> wendy's regular nuggets are basically mcdonald's yeah 
Burger King's regular nuggets. Or McDonald's. Basically McDonald's. Do something different. Yeah. So. That was my number four. My number three, Taco Bell taquitos. Okay. Nothing crazy about them. They were just uh, basically a little mini, like you could get steak or chicken, cheese. A little roll up. Rolled up, grilled. They had a good amount of crunch to them. Mm -hmm. They came with like a dipping sauce. You could do you know, cheese, sour cream, whatever. And uh, they were just one of those things that was just convenient, easy. Yeah. Always there for you. You know, late night, like Taco Bell, obviously, still, I think, is probably for kids who go out drinking, waiting in the Taco Bell line. If I were a cop, I would just park across the street from a Taco Bell at 2 a.m. and just. <laughs> it would have been an easy pot. Yeah. Just get like four cops, line them up. Okay, get him, 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 and him. I'm surprised Taco Bell never did churros. I think they did. Probably not here. I think they've done some form. I mean, they have the cinnamon twists, which if you get those. You know what? They've gotten better. They make your whole, everything in your bag taste like cinnamon. Which I'm fine with. I love cinnamon. Ask a shout out to our buddy, Sean King, who would get the cinnamon twists. Ask for them in a separate bag. Yes, he would. He was, Sean is also the one that will wear pajamas to bed and tuck them into his socks. <laughs> which I don't understand. I don't like wearing much when I sleep, but how that's so cumbersome. I don't know how anybody can get comfortable. Yeah. Seven, Mary three. <laughs> <laughs> that's a perfect. This cumbersome. Leading to my number three, the McDLT or is it McB? Yeah. McDLT. Yep. I think I had this once as a kid as a kid who wants. Oh, wow. Great. Lettuce, tomato and onion. I mean, lettuce, tomato and bacon. Big deal. What I liked about this more was the, Back in the day when McDonald's was like, fuck the environment. We don't care. Styrofoam. Styrofoam. I'll never forget. This was in in a combined styrofoam package where you would have all the ingredients and then the bun would be on the other side. Uh -huh. I always thought that was a weird presentation. It was very unique. But as a kid, you open it up and go, what the hell is what? What am I supposed to do with this? And it had also the McMayo. I don't McMayo. McMayo. <laughs> Not McMars. McMayo. No, McMayo. That's what came out of Mick Mars's blood is <laughs> Mick, Mick Mayo. I could have went somewhere else with that, but I didn't because <laughs> there's probably a lot of women out there that can talk about Mick Mayo. But yeah, the McDLT. <laughs> so I, I, now, I hope you didn't pick this, but I'm going to I'm going to uh, ruin your draft or your picks if I did. I hope you didn't. So in the late 80s, I think it was. Do you remember when Burger King would do the four to seven dinner bundle? Vaguely. So they would essentially you'd show up at Burger King. They'd give you a kit for your kids to draw crayons and stuff, and they would basically do a waiter waitress type system and bring you this meal in courses at Burger King. Interesting. It very limited time, very short thing. I would hope so. Cause at the time they're making two eighty five an hour. <laughs> exactly. So it was, it was just, it was Burger King food, but when you ordered it, they brought it to you like it's five a, star service, like a restaurant. It, it, again, everything with McDonald's Burger King went, it's all competition with the other one. So Burger King was like, what can we do different? Oh, they have an indoor play area. We'll build an indoor play area. Yeah. Does it smell like feet? We'll add air conditioning. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, my number two, Taco Bell spicy chicken burrito. Now you are on a Taco Bell assault. I am because again, they're the ones that break my heart the most. They do. I find Constantly. something I really like. I know what your number one probably uh, is. You fucking better but know. Taco Bell, they just they break your heart. They introduce something you really like, you get used to, and then they're like, nope, it's gone. We can't make that anymore. This one you probably could. It's it was just spicy shredded chicken 
Rice, creamy jalapeno, pico de gallo, discontinued 2011. I would get um, grande soft taco with chicken. I'd get a spicy chicken burrito. I can remember like in college, I'd do that. Yeah, that was my number two. Nothing crazy. Just Taco Bell. Okay, my number two, we're sticking with McDonald's. McDonald's wow. my you did assault. get excited. I got really excited because I was about ready to explode on my number one with my McMayo. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have extra McMayo, please. <laughs> Number two, the original, the OG chicken McNuggets. Okay. Now. When they had the tumors in them? Listen, those were special. Those were veins, damn it. Now, you remember seeing, I forget when they released the video, and they're like, these aren't real chicken. These aren't, the the newer chicken McNuggets they made. Yeah. It looked like some sort of pink. Yeah, pink slime. Pink pink slime. Back in the day when we were kids, when you could get a three-piece, a six-piece, and a nine-piece. That's it. There's no 10, no 20, nothing. Every now and then, you take a bite of a McNugget, and you would hit something just oh. rock hard oh. to the point it would chip a tooth. It's like a tumor yeah. or a massive vein. I can remember disassembling my nuggets because I, if you ever bit into one of those, you never forget it. So I can remember like disassembling the nuggets, taking yeah. them apart, and Surgery. eating them. Yeah, because like... I did not want to bite into this hard black mass. It was an exp- it was like the lottery or reaching into a bag of trail mix and pulling out something entirely different because you never know what you're going to get. But I remember just one time eating it as a kid and pulling out what looked like a black kidney stone. Ugh. But you know what, though? It's part of the experience of growing up. You chip a tooth. You eat a black vein nugget. You can tell your kids about it one How day. How crazy is it that they got away with that? They I- served... <laughs> Food, like I'm pretty sure they slaughtered the chickens in house at the Elm so Road McDonald's. Gross. That was my uh, number two. My number one, a little bit of a, a cheap ski because it's not really like a food item, but it's McDonald's Szechuan sauce. So never th- had it. This was a sauce that was released to coincide with Disney's Mulan. However, because of a Rick and Morty episode and pressure from Rick and Morty fans. McDonald's re-released a limited amount of the sauce in October 2017. Big mistake. Yes. Because it was like a, we only have enough for one day type thing. There wasn't enough supply for demand. And there were like near riots over the sauce. The sauce wasn't anything to like tear your ass over. I mean, it was just like an Asian inspired. I, you'd never want a sauce that said this will tear your ass up. Yeah. So in 2017, after the re-release, three packets of the sauce. Three packets. Three. Sold for $848.88. How crazy is that? And that's, you know, sourced to CNBC. So basically $250 each or something. More than that, actually. And then recently, a whole case of Szechuan sauce sold for $180. But see, that's... Demand went down. That's crazy. That's nuts. Yeah. And McDonald's, throughout time, they've had, I remember some other sauces. Didn't they used to have special sauces just for the holidays? I think so. They like like... Can yeah. they do this with their honey mustard sauce? Because up in my fridge right now, I have about a shitload. If that could be gold. Just, <laughs> just say it right now. Discontinue it and then we're going to sell it on eBay. Oh, we're going to get sauce crazy on eBay. Yeah. So the time has come for me to unleash hell. My number one. Hey, Taco Bell, you took my fucking chick stars yep. away on three, three separate occasions. You have teased me with the glory. That is the chick star. And then you taketh away. You motherfuckers. You guys single-handedly have just, might as well just say, how many kids you got? Three. Here comes the state. 
fuck off. That's what you did to me when you got rid of the chick stars. You came back three years ago. You never said it was limited time. You said, hey, we're bringing back the chick stars on popular demand. I like to say that was because of me. All right. <laughs> I started the campaign. Chick stars came back. I would order three at a time. And it's literally, let's be honest, it's a crunch wrap, well, but with fried chicken in it. See, this it's is, a sauce. This it's is a, a conversation sauce. we've had before. Most everything that Taco Bell has and discontinues, you can still kind of make, make it, but it's not it. Exactly. It doesn't say, oh, I it's don't, a crunch wrap. I don't no, it's want not. like a spicy chicken burrito. I don't want to order a different chicken burrito no. and then I, can I take off this? Can I add this? Can I add this? Can I do this? No, I don't want to do that. I just oh. want you to put it on the menu. If you have the capability to make it, how much does it hurt to just print the name? I got into a debate with somebody I worked with one time. They're like, Jim, it's just a crunch wrap. No. I'll make you a crunch wrap. And I looked them right in the face. I grabbed them. I was like, listen, motherfucker, <laughs> is it called a goddamn chick star? They're like, no, it's a crunch. Shut your fucking mouth. It's not a chick star. Part- Where are my goddamn chick stars? Part of the fun is the name chick star. Chick star. It sounds like an Alan Jackson album. Coming up next, we're doing chick star. That's- and that was... My number one. So I knew when you introduced this, which was really fun. I had fun. Yes. But I knew when you introduced this topic that it was going to be so that you could have a chick star rant. <laughs> like I was like, okay, Jim, let's talk about the chick star. We talked so. more about the pizza though. Yeah, we did. And Ray Kroc being an asshole. Ray Kroc, oh shit. All right. Ray Kroc, you can leave so everybody else can get back in the pool. Everybody back in the pool. So just in the past year, we started golfing together a lot. You're uh, you're a pretty good golfer. I'm not at all. Before golfing with you, I'd only ever golfed with my dad. So golfing holds a special place in my heart because it's something I fondly remember enjoying together with my dad, something unique. I, I guess that's a reason, you know, we got like, I liked golf and we did yeah. a golf movie. So in this movie, Roy, he has a lead and a chance to win the U.S. Open before blowing it. What? movie sports moment or just sports moment in general that hasn't been in a movie is the one that you would love to live out now was it is it a winning hit in baseball three strike tenth frame in bowling what do you think you are i am you know winning drive in the super bowl or a defensive stop in the super bowl you know what moment would you would you most want to live out okay i'll always remember this even though i wasn't a fan of it either team i watched this joe carter game seven Blue Jays, ninth inning, game-winning home run, won the World Series. Joe has had his moments. Two balls and two strikes on it. Here's the pitch on the way. A swing and a belt. Left field. Way back. Blue Jays win it. The Blue Jays are World Series champions. I will never get that because Joe Carter played for the Indians. To me, that always stuck out because it's like, can you imagine the pressure? You have 50,000 people yeah. in the stadium, millions, hundreds of millions watching at home. Baseball, I think, lends itself the most to that type of finish because yeah. the suspense, how long it takes for a pitcher to deliver a pitch, you know, the amount of time you have to sit and stew in it. But like, is there a better moment? And I'm not a huge baseball fan, but is there a bigger moment than like down three, bases loaded, bottom mm-hmm. of the ninth, th- you know, th- two strikes, two outs? Yeah. And remember when the Indians were in the World Series 2016 and Rajay Davis hit the home run? I lost my voice yelling. It was nuts. And then they delayed the game for a little spit of rain. Yeah, they blew it. Would have won the World Series. Not the Indians. The MLB blew it. But Um, if I can say, if if, since we're doing a golf movie, I can give you two Tiger Woods shots that were very stuck out. 
the 2000 PGA Championship 16th hole playoff. First hole of the playoff, Tiger Woods versus Birdie. It's an iconic gif against Bob May. He hits that like 25 foot putt and he starts walking up to it and does the finger point. Yeah. Iconic. Once again, 2000 Canadian open 210 yards out right side bunker. Tin cup move right here. Hits it over to water and hits it within like 10 feet. Mm. Those two shots always stuck out to me. Now I will say, I think that it means more to the fans than the athletes. Maybe Mm -hmm. because you, you hear about the, Joe Montana game winning drive where 82 he gets in the huddle and the team's like expecting him to give the the big speech. Yeah. And he gets in the huddle and he goes, Hey, you guys see John Candy over there? Yeah, that was the 82 NFC championship. But that itself is kind of a mark of a leader. Because yep. if Montana would have got in there and be like, This is our lives, everything's on the line. Like, dun, 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 then dun. there's pressure. Yeah. But for him to get in the huddle and just be like, Yeah, you see John Candy? And then he threw it to Dwight Clark. Exactly. It it eased all the tension. The catch. So I will say one that's not been filmed. We brought this up in the pool check in the after hour special. The MLS movie I would want to make. I would have the team that we follow in this movie in the semifinal. They go to a shootout and then they win in a shootout because a shootout in soccer, man, the suspense of how you could, how you could film that. I'm a soccer fan. There's no, that's like the most tense thing is watching. We've seen enough. I hate shootout. I played soccer my whole life. I've been in shootouts. They're awful. Like they're just, you don't want to be in a shootout. You want to win. So then they win. And then in the final, they're down a goal late and maybe they get an equalizer in like maybe the 87th minute. Yeah. But then they get the winner in the last moments of stoppage. You see the ref put the whistle in his mouth. Yeah. And basically on the next clearance, he's going to blow that whistle. And then they score. I get like, oh man, it's chills. Like sports movies can give you the chills like nothing else. Look when we went to the world cup when we went down to O'Donnell's in Youngstown. Yeah how crazy that was. Remember we were there when Donovan got that equalizer yep. against Algeria. Yep. It was like no other. Yeah. I got great pictures of yep. it. It's amazing. We, uh, we almost beat Portugal. Like yep. we were in the newspaper. Yes, that's right. We were We were in the newspaper. Yeah. So let's move on to logic. It all could have been different. Mr. Walker You should have allowed nature to take its course. Thanks, Mr. McCall. So I'll say the first thing in logic and the thing about Ron Shelton movies is that the details are usually all pretty spot on. Like it's totally possible for a golfer to get in their own head and get the shanks. Mm -hmm. And even when Roy shoots low enough to advance using only a five iron, he had a seven iron or a seven iron. I'm sorry. He had an almost a record on the course so he could overcome. Yeah shooting the rest of the round with that club because he had such a, a big head start. It's believable he had some cushions. So the details in this movie are pretty good. And most movies done by Ron Shelton, the details are pretty good. There's not something, we're not going to pick apart like major logic stuff. So with that said, why don't you go ahead and give us your first logic issue? Okay. When I believe it was his second attempt of this shot on the final hole with the one shot lead. All right. So he's in the water. He's laying Four. So if he gets it on the green, gets par, he's going to playoff. He decides to hit another shot off the fairway. Fourth shot. Oh, honey. Jimmy, I don't believe this. He can go up, use the drop zone, make par, force a playoff with Jacobson, and get out of here. Easy, guys, now. He can still make a five. That's right. He can still make a five. We could still have a playoff. Stay you know. winning, Paulie. 
He's 234 out with a three wood, which back then is a mile. Yeah. Now it's like he's pulling out a three wood. You get it at 300 yards. Somehow he gets it over the water, which is amazing, with a three wood, manages backspin. Yeah. On a three wood off the deck. The only way you could get that amount of spin is it if it's a wedge shot. Yeah. There is absolutely no physical way he could get backspin on a three wood off the deck. It's possible if he was on a tee and he clipped it just right, but he'd have to pop it in order to get spin. Yeah. No I way. Most of the logic comes from that particular scene. Like, it's like we said, nobody really hit a, a driver off the deck, but this is a 200. It was unthinkable back then. This is a 234 yard shot, which is something feasibly. That maybe you or I could do. I mean, I was hitting stingers at the driving range, 220 with a two. Yeah, so it's feasibly something we could do, something any modern golfer could do. So it's Easily. A, it's almost like Roy should have just clubbed up and he could have done it. but With yeah. a bailout area to the right. Yeah, yes. It takes a, the water right. completely right. out of play. He hits it straight for the water in order to hit towards the yeah, flag. Remember, that one miss he hit, I think it was in the second or third round. He must have hit it only 189, 190 yards with a three wood. Yeah. So my biggest logic issue is this particular scene. So Roy, on day three, tries to pull that shit and said, give me another ball. And Romeo's like, fucking nuts. And he says, no. So on day four, when Roy says, give me another ball, give me another ball, give me another ball. After the first ball goes in the water, all that has to happen is that Romeo, Roy's caddy, should pick up the bag. With Roy's clubs, Roy's balls, and walk the, what, 175, 200 yeah, yards. to the front of the water. Walk to the front of the water, stand next to the drop zone. Yes. What's Roy going to do? There's nothing he Is can he going to walk down to the drop zone, get a ball, and come back and drop it? No. No. Oh, that's all that had to happen is Romeo. This is Romeo's fault because he enables Roy by continuing to give him the ball. Yeah. All Romeo and Romeo's got more on the line here than Roy does. Yes. I mean, essentially, because they're poor, they're broke. They don't even own their driving range. Roy's ex-wife does. They have no money. They live in a trailer together, which is kind of weird to begin with. It's very weird, but they, and it's not even a trailer. It's a Winnebago. Yeah. It's a Winnebago. And this driving range is in the middle of nowhere. Oh, it's they're in, not getting a ton of paying customers. In Salome, AKA Salami, Texas. Yes. And so the money is very important to them. The higher they finish, the more money they're going to get. Big time. All Romeo has to do, grab the bag with the bags, with the balls in the club. Yeah, fuck you, Roy. And just walk and stand next to the drop zone. If Roy, he already makes an ass of himself, but if he wants to, all he has, like he'd have to walk the 200 yards, grab a ball. On live television. Walk back. Shoot it again. Walk 200 yards, grab a ball, walk back. You know what I mean? It's just. And instead, say he did that and he still shoots a 12. He is not reveled. He's like, this guy's a fucking joke. Yeah, exactly. Nobody's cheering him. Exactly. So really, I think what would have happened is if Romeo, if you and I are ever in that situation, US Open. Oh, I'm grabbing the bag. I'm walking. And then all that has to happen. I think in that 200 yard walk, Roy would come to his senses yeah you'd think it's because he's got romeo there to hand him the balls that he keeps doing it if i have a one-shot lead going into the final round at the u.s open and i have water and i'm 234 out and i'm like i could probably hit a two clearly seeing you see it in the movie there's a bailout area yes. to the right if anything i'm taking that two iron i'm aiming right into that bailout 
I'm taking the water out of play and I'm using a slight chip to get on the green and yep. putt for birdie. Yep. My next one is also dealing with Roy going off the deep end. So at the qualifier or the sectional qualifier, he proceeds him and Rodeo to get in a, a shitting contest because Romeo basically says, you're not hitting this. And Roy just wants to get the course record. Yeah. You don't need an eagle to qualify. You need to practice playing it safe. No mistake. I want the course record. Now give me the lumber. He's going to have the course record, but he wants to take the driver, take it over the woods, and get an eagle on a par five. When he already has the lead, there's no need for it. Right. And that plays into it later, of course. We don't know if there's groups behind him. We just don't know. I can only assume that he's the final group. Maybe that's why. First off, rate of play. Yeah. He'd get tagged for a stroke penalty for rate of play. Then proceeds to just break every rule of golf when it comes to sportsmanship, decorum. Just breaks all his clubs. Mm -hmm throws his bag, and has a tantrum. If anything, that's grounds for disqualification. Yeah. In the real world, they'd have been like, we're done here. You're done. You're not making the U.S. Open. We don't want you on tour. You're done. They let him play with a seven iron. He gets par on a par five, which to nowadays standards, a 500-yard hole with a seven iron the whole time, and he's putting with a seven iron, See, that's, that's fine. That's another one where Romeo's equally as guilty oh big time he gives he, it right back to Roy yeah he could have just taken he said here here you know if you want to hit that club fine here's your club but take the clubs and walk away he could have don't give don't give Roy the, the chance but he didn't my last one never understood food on a bar yes when you go to a bar and there's you know hey a bowl of I don't see it a lot because I don't go to that type of bar I haven't been to a bar and I couldn't tell you how long <laughs> we really can't but uh when you see food on a bar, Ugh, communal not food, food. That you order, yeah, communal food. So uh, I take a piss, I come back, I stick my my hand in a, a bowl of pretzels or nuts. Especially now in the age of COVID, or they sometimes you'll see like a big jar of like pickled eggs or something. First off, who the hell would want that? Somebody. See, now I have a story with this, and I've always said I think it contributed to me getting drunk or having love, food poisoning. Love this story. This was oh my god. This is the ends in you wiping your face with a newspaper it correct? does yeah i graduated from kent state university we there was a bar i don't know if it's still up there i'm pretty sure it is called the loft it was one there was that in a zephyr it was always those two and robin's hood those were the big three but we went to the loft one night i was very shy back then i was still kind of an introvert there was a very cute bartender i just didn't have the balls because i was with my buddies to go up and ask her out i just didn't have the balls but the pitchers were buck pitchers so i'm thinking the more beer we order She'll keep coming to the table. I'll get liquid courage. Now, there's a, a background story that's also funny. Now, the one person you were with, did they not forget their wallet? Yes. And then drive all the way home yes, they and did. drive back. Drove 40 minutes all the way back and 40 minutes all the way back to the bar. Which probably also contributed to <laughs> you just continuously drinking. Constantly drinking. Time. At one point, you know, you drink that much, you got to piss. At the loft, there was this reservoir literally outside the men's room door full of peanuts. So you could easily just walk right into the weird bathroom where the urinals were basically two in a corner. So if you're pissing next to somebody, you literally are touching. There's no way to avoid it. It's weird. But the reservoir of nuts, pardon the pun, was right outside the door. So you could just not wash your hands, reach right into the pissy nuts and eat nuts. And I'm thinking a lot of people have had to have gotten sick. And yes, I drank way too much. It came to a point I put my head down. I threw up all over the floor, all over <laughs> my friend's shoes. Our buddy Fu Mackle, another shout out to our buddy, proceeds to give me the Daily Kent Stater newspaper, not knowing what I had in my hand, <laughs> to wipe my face off. All the ink came right off. It just covered my face in ink and puke. 
They had to zip up my jacket, carry me out of the bar. Love it. Don't drink communal food, people. Ugh. Don't drink communal food? Don't drink. Don't eat communal food. All right, my last one when it comes to Tim Cup. I guess we could say we're semi-professional podcasters now. I think we could say we're sure. semi-professionals. Why the hell not? Wait, you're getting money? You're hiding it? No, I wish. Gary McCord, who this movie is loosely based off of, because this was kind of, he was yeah. the Tin Cup. Mm-hmm. He is a commentator for CBS Sports. Now, during the open, he proceeds, he's covering Roy McAvoy. Roy decides to take a camera shot off of Porter John. Mm-hmm. Ben, he's in jail here. No chance for parole. In fact, the only thing he's got, he's got to get the ball back in the fairway, try to pitch the ball on the green and get up and down first par. He's got no chance to hit it on the green. 50 bucks says I knock it on from here with a seven iron. On the green? Right on the green. You got it. Or as one of the commentators oh, who's yeah. English says, Walter Closet or the Lou. And he says, bet you 50 bucks I can carom it off the Porter John onto the green. So McCourt takes that bet. He doesn't get it on the green, though. No. Doesn't make sense. However, if CBS heard that, yes. CBS would fire his ass. He's on, on TV. You on a hot microphone, making a bet with a golfer. <laughs> you can't show favorites as an announcer like that. You just can't do it. No, he's got a real, uh, what's the NBA ref? Bet on Tim Donaghy? Yeah, he's a real ta- Tim Donaghy over there. <laughs> but yeah, you, you cannot do that. No. All right. Let's uh, let's talk about Legacy. Now, I, I will say Legacy. This is, in my opinion, this is the best golf movie. Happy Gilmore is not realistic. I don't count Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore is good, just not realistic. I would put next Caddyshack. Caddyshack's really fun. Not the second one. But Caddyshack one. is based on, and that's why I don't consider, Caddyshack's based on the golfing we do. You know, country clubs, golf yes. courses, you know, summer golfing type situation. Now, this, not to say it's not great. It's just this is based off professional golf. I agree. And then you've got ones like Legend of Bagger Vance based on a true story. I put Tin Cup as the, the best golf movie. It's that underdog, you know. Winning it's the, the ultimate story. Yeah. So, but I want to ask you, now, when we did Dirty Dancing, we which is way back. Like our episode, episode number three, yeah. season one. So, we talked about, after the movie, are Johnny and Baby still together, which we both determined no, no chance. No chance at hell. In my opinion, in this movie, I'll go first. Now, what do you think happens to Roy and Dr. Griswold? Now, I will say... Molly's happy to jump ship from David to Roy because David is safe. Yeah. He, you know, sometimes women want this, this bad boy. And that's who Roy is. And Roy goes for it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is why we broke up. He always went for it. Well, my problem is, is I've never been with a man who went for it. So I think she, they're good for each other because she wants more out of Roy. So Roy, I think qualifies for the tour you know, becomes a golfer. Hey, he's going to be playing in the U.S. Open because he finished in the top 15. So I think he makes the tour. He becomes a professional golfer. You know, Molly takes on, you know, working on the mental space of other golfers. But I think Roy just has his days. He does. I think there's days on the course where Roy is restrained and wins maybe some tournaments. I would say. But I think Roy also still has these moments where he goes for it. He can't help himself. It yeah. becomes his M.O. That would get old. I think that I was thinking the same thing. His shit would get old after a while. I think Molly wants to go back to some form of safe. You get to that age where you're like, I can't take risks anymore. No. Can't. No, I think it's just for her, it was a a way to get rid of, get over David, find her new career. Yes. You know, and maybe they're married and they get divorced. I just, 
she cannot continue to be with Roy, who takes these miraculous chances. No, I mean, how many Winnebagos do you want to live in into your 50s? I mean, let's put it. That right. Way. I mean, come right. Because, like, he obviously even. He could win $100 million and he would still live in that Winnebago. Here's a micro. Yeah, exactly. Here's a microcosm, a snapshot. So, Roy is going into the final day of the tournament with a lead. Yes. You know, Molly wants to take them to a fancy restaurant with the bet, you know, bet money she made. Molly is his one shot lead. Yes. And where do they go? The Waffle House. Yes. With all of Roy's, you know, degenerate drunk friends. After he just shot a 10 under 62. They go to Waffle House. Mm -hmm. Right there it is. He's always going to go to Waffle House. Yep. He's always going to live in a Winnebago. Yeah, he's never going to live in a house on Melody Lane. He's never going to have the Lamborghini. No, and I think Molly, just seeing how she carries herself, Mm -hmm. she wants the fancy restaurant. She wants a nice house. You know, she's going to probably have a pretty lucrative career making money, you know, working on golfers, being a golf therapist. Probably not in Salami. No, not in (laughs) Salome, but but as they, you know, she's going to be traveling on the tour. Yes. Being a therapist to these golfers, she's going to make good money. It's just never going to work. Never will. So that's all I have for Legacy. And with that said, let's do some plugs. Once again, Pool Sceners, thank you for checking out the pod this week. Remember, if you want to know what's going on, any updates, any exciting things coming around the corner, check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Pool Scene Podcast. Also at Pool Scene Pod on the Twitter. Also, if you want to drop us a line, send us an email at Pool Scene Podcast at gmail.com. Any movie ideas. We have some amazing movies coming up. If there's a movie you want us to cover, let us know. You're on the journey with us. And now, Back to Kevin. All right. We want to thank everyone, as always, for joining us. Uh, we hope you've had fun. We hope you've learned something. This was fun. This was a good... Once again, we like to do a sports episode every season. This was a great sports episode. We had this one actually slotted for season one. Yes. We pulled it because we did a live watch along of Twister, which was the only time we've done that, but I'm sure we'll do that again. Yeah, we'll have more coming up soon. A commentary watch along. So thanks, everyone. Um, continue to like us on Instagram. Yeah, Find us the pool 100. on Facebook. Please interact with us. Please send us a McDonald's pizza box. Please. Yes. Tell us your favorite discontinued fast food items. Oh, yes. Please bring the Taco Bell hate. And we didn't mention it in the after hour special, but please tell us which things you would like to see made into a movie. Yes. Maybe Come. you want to make a movie about McDonald's pizza. Yeah, how great would that be? Or discontinued fat food items. That'd be an <laughs> interesting script. You're a part of this, guys. And tell a friend about our podcast. You know, we'd love to grow this thing a little bit more. It'd be uh, be fantastic for us, for you. We could do some more exciting things. Yeah, I, you guys probably don't know this because we don't have a live video feed here in the studio. Kevin does a shitload of research for this show. A ton, a ton, a ton. This takes a lot of work, guys. This isn't this isn't easy. I yeah, mean, Jim was up until four a.m. last night editing this thing because he Jim has a real job. Yeah. I <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I'm very much like Roy, <laughs> dude. Buy a driving range, and we could just go to the driving range every damn day. Perfect. That'd Get be drunk. perfect. Get drunk all day. Yeah, why not? All right. So, as we wrap it up, we will see you next week on the Pool Scene Podcast. Silencia! Give me, make a man out of you.